Welcome to Sports, Pets, and Politics with your host, Ben Husso, and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 46 of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. Thank you for joining us another week here at the show. Mr. Hughesong, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure. Uh, we're not quite into ice cream season yet, are we? Or are we, oh, are we jamming? We're jamming. Nice, I like it. Yeah, why I, have, not? I haven't I haven't broke my uh, ice cream uh, uh, seal yet, so when I do, it's going to be at Charlie's, I promise you. I, I appreciate that. Sometime I also appreciate that you went with break the seal instead of pop yeah. the cherry. Although yeah. the cherry one with the ice cream double entendre could have worked. Yeah. But I'll I'll play it safe. Respect. Hey, re- before we get into the uh, rundown here, and I'll kind of give everybody a uh, uh, time to uh, first like, share, and subscribe to uh, the channel, like and share this video, and uh, tell all your friends. Um, but we had a little breaking news just as we sat down here. Uh, your governor is in town right here at the uh, fairgrounds right here in uh, our lovely city of Syracuse, and uh, he's surrounded by a bunch of... Uh, uh, masked people outside at the fairgrounds announcing that the fair is going to go on this year. Are you excited? Yep. 18 days, 50% capacity somehow. I haven't heard anything about masks yet. He said he's going to block off the uh, fair into four sections. Sure. And uh, to try to help uh, uh, manage capacity levels uh, of some sort. So maybe they're going to have uh, gatekeepers at each one of those things. And if you want to leave zone four, you got to check out to go to zone one or some shit. I don't know. So it'll be like a trial run for vaccine passports. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen anything. If the vaccine passports will be uh, necessary to enter the fair, that would be a devastating blow to the attendance. I'm sure. Um, Masks uh, alone will be a devastating to the fair attendance. Like, Oh God, help me. I mean, there's a long time between, I think he said August 20th, it's going to start. So there's, there's some time for this stuff to relax even further from, you know, where we're at. Um, But I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping that it, these rules are relaxed before August 20th because walking around with a mask and a, having needing a, a, an app on your phone to get in is seemingly ridiculous to me. Yeah, I'm, I like the fair fine. I sure. don't. I don't usually attend it outside of bringing my kids there one time so that they can experience it. It's much more for them for, than for me. So personally, I am indifferent as to whether we have it or not. Uh, I, for the people that have businesses there that have a portion of their um, business comes from that two-week span or whatever it is, I think it's wonderful that we're going to have a fair, and I hope that people will go and patronize them and and use their businesses. Uh, At the same time, I can say with pretty good confidence that if there is any sort of mask rule, I'm probably not going. Yeah, me too. And if there is a you need to have proof of vaccination, I'm definitely not going because that's not going to happen, and I am not quite at the point where I'm ready to get one of those fraudulent vaccine cards. Like, I think it's funny that they exist. I mean, I have a, I have a blank one. Do you really? Oh, well, I mean, I, I can print it if You're I needed to. Uh, like if you I, want one, let me know. See, I mean, I would never do such a thing ever. I'd rather I, just not have the card and be like, I don't have it, and, and go from there. But if, you know, if in a worst-case scenario, you get down to a li- live-or-die uh, situation and you need a blank card. Oh, I'll call you, okay. for sure. From a secured line on a burner phone. He also added a couple other things for uh, New Yorkers here. He increased uh, stadium capacities from, I think it was 20% to 33%. Science. Offices from 50% to 75%. These nice round numbers are exactly where we can figure this out and COVID reacts uh, right on even numbers. 
Um, gyms, I believe, were up to 50% from 33%. Sure. So very scientific, very, uh, very uh, determinate numbers uh, helping us uh, navigate through the uh, pandemic here in New York. Yeah, uh, thank God. Like, this is where people have lost all semblance of any sort of common sense. Like, so basically, we, we're closing gyms to 33, but now it's safe enough to go to 50. Why? Well, and we haven't got a date yet, so I don't know when magically the date switches to a more safer date, but we'll get that, I'm assuming, from the governor here shortly. Or maybe it's on the website. I cannot fathom how arbitrary these rules are and how much, like, if you talk to the average person on the street, they're done. Like, uh, with masks especially, I think, have just become a joke. And, yeah. and the more science that comes out, the more you realize, like, this is theater. Like, this is nonsense. This has been nonsense. The minimal, and I mean minuscule, amount of protection that an unfitted mask offers you in prevention of an aerosolized virus or even a droplet virus for more than 20 minutes, even under the prime circumstances, is minimal. Yeah. But you're talking like I, I coach my son's baseball team. We have to have. Don't, don't give away all the juice. We got a big mask outdoor thing at the end of the show. All right. Well, you right can finish now, your story. Yeah. My children have to wear masks playing baseball outside. And so to the fans in attendance. They're not playing a stadium. We're playing at a little park. And the kid playing center field has to have a mask on or else the league could get shut down again. Like, this is the dumbest thing in history of, yeah. wait a minute. They're not requiring vaccines for those kids yet. Are they? Uh, yeah. No, thank you. Thankfully, I mean, thankfully. Those I vaccines mean. on kids are highly effective. <laughs> None of these vaccinated kids are dying from COVID. Uh, before, we, before we get into the rundown of the show here, uh, another thing that broke, I don't know if you saw this too, but the Supreme Court is going to take up a New York State uh, gun law case, uh, permit really? carry case. Yeah. Um, right. Let me read a little. Uh, it's not supposed to take it up until the fall, but they just agreed to take it on Monday. Granted, uh, certiori. Yeah, the Supreme Court agreed Monday to hear an appeal to extend gun rights in the United States in a New York case over the right to carry a firearm in public for self-defense. So I guess this is, uh, I think we're one of eight states, it says here later in the article, that has some kind of restriction. Yeah, right here. Eight, uh, that limits the right to carry a weapon in public. Uh, California, Delaware, Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and Rhode Island are the other seven. Um, so this is going to be a challenge to our, uh, basically, the carrying a, a gun in, in public uh, laws that we have here, pretty pretty strict laws here in New York, but that also just broke before we came on the air. Any uh, anything of note you want to bring piggyback on that at all? Good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, listen, I think the the central debate around gun ownership and gun rights has been so skewed that it is unrecognizable to the actual amendment to the Constitution and its purpose that it's. Sad and hilarious all at the same time of, the, of just a profound misunderstanding and the profound misunderstanding around statistics of gun control and everything else and how liberally they are misused and, and misinterpreted intentionally. Like, not same as you and I have this central theme on all the COVID stuff. There's no way these are all honest mistakes because eventually you'd have one honest mistake going the other direction. At one point, you'd get something wrong the other way if you were going to do it. Um, so I'm glad any anything that uh, has the potential to give people more autonomy, more freedom, and more rights, I am generally in favor of. That's yeah. that's my default setting is to say I don't care what the right is. If it gives you more freedom, gives me more freedom, I'm probably in. I, yeah. I can't think of too many 
And it, this is obviously an interesting case in large part because uh, the Supreme Court uh, refused the case, or at least, uh, you know, I don't know what the, the correct term is, but... Uh, refused to grant certiorari. I'm not so, sure if it's certiorari or certiorari. I, I learned this was back school, before but. Ginsburg had died, and then obviously now this is the first time we're going to try a, uh, a Second Amendment uh, case uh, with Amy Coney Barrett, basically, on, on the court. So, interesting. We'll keep an eye on that. Again, I don't think that's actually going to start to the fall, so we'll, we'll touch base on that as, as the case of unfolds here. Let's talk about today's show. Um, we had quite a ride in crypto here the last few days. That was fun. Um, crypto went on sale. Yeah. Um, we'll get back to that. We have a uh, – I found a picture. I'm <clears throat> Maybe you – I'm fascinated by the elongated skulls of Peru. Oh, I, body. You speak happen, my language. <laughs> and I happen to see that skull with the uh, uh, a metal alloy implant. It's amazing. That was like 2,000 years ago. The person survived. They said this was kind of like a regular occurrence, too, back then, that, they, that other civilizations had this technology, or at least the civilization had this technology, and people were surviving. Like, crazy, right? We'll get into that. I'll show you pictures. Also tonight, I found out there's a pink supermoon. Cool. It's a... Uh, 14% larger, 30% brighter, something like that. That's going on tonight. I mean, those are like Viagra levels. We got a new, right? we got new, <laughs> we got a new, uh, uh, photos for, of your boy, Jeffrey Epstein and your My girl, boy. and your girl, Jelaine Maxwell with your, with your former president, Bill Clinton in the white house. Listen, man, I am not rich nor powerful enough to have the friends like those. And then, and then, uh, I do want to talk probably the biggest story of last week that happened, uh, you know, in between our shows was the Chauvin verdict. Um, the officer, um, was in Minnesota, the George Floyd protest, uh, stemmed from, uh, from this incident, but he was uh, convicted. So we'll talk about a little bit about that okay. and, uh, the aftermath of that. Uh, we have cases and vaccine, uh, demand both plummeting here in New York state. So shocking. Yeah. We'll see how that, uh, plays out. Uh, our governor, more hot water for him. Uh, our attorney, uh, attorney general, uh, Letitia James is <clears throat> authorized or has been authorized by the comptroller, I believe it was, to look, look into the uh, book deal of Andrew Cuomo during the pandemic. So that would <laughs> be fun. What a unique idea yeah. to look into the financial terms around a book deal you wrote in the yeah. midst of a pandemic. Yeah. And, and we'll talk <laughs> about how Cuomo has uh, basically banned the media from showing up to his public appearances. Even today, uh, you know, he's surrounded by a bunch of politicians six feet apart outside with masks, but the press is not allowed in there. So. Um, well, you got to be safe. I mean, yeah. let's, let's be reasonable. And then we're going to talk about all that, right? The outdoor mask guidance. Uh, it seems as though this is going to break down. We're starting to get some articles out here, including the big names like Fauci and Dr. Gottlieb saying that, that it's no longer a thing. So we'll break all that down. But let's okay go back to crypto. Let's hit crypto. You know, let's start with Bitcoin, the the. the the granddaddy of all crypto, it fell to, I think it was, uh, went from like about 55,000 down to like 47,000, maybe in a matter of 47, oh, uh, 44, oh, one. Yeah. And, and about, I'm going to guess like 12 hours. Oh, like it was it, crazy. It, it went, it went dropped significantly right now. As you look over my head, you can see it's bounced back up. Don't look over my head. I didn't look over oh, your yeah. head that time. The, uh, oh, you can see I it's 53,000. So, um, you know, if you bought the dip, I don't know if, uh, you know, that's the uh, the mantra here within the uh, crypto hodl and buy the dip, right? There was a dip. You could have bought. It's up, you know, up to 53000 from that 47000 low. And this is kind of the same trajectory of all cryptos. Um, Ethereum kind of held. They didn't drop as much, I think, by percent. Um, they kind of held their price a little bit better. So that's it dropped a little pretty bit. good, though. It broke oh, back sure. down to 2170 But it, I, I feel like, I don't know if it's a, a you know, a disconnect from the two as far as price action, but I feel like there's some of that movement where Ethereum may eventually have its own kind of price action unrelated to Bitcoin. I think 
Ethereum right now is the one most likely to become independent of Bitcoin. The rest of other them, than Dogecoin, I don't want you know they're crazy. I mean, Dogecoin is just the. I don't even know how to describe Dogecoin at this point. It's hilarious. Like I, I have no words. Yeah, at the at the risk of offending people, it's like the it was originally like the redheaded stepchild of crypto, but now it's kind of morphed into this whole little like orphan Annie, right? I don't know. It's just like the everybody the loves wild it. card at the party. Like everything else is sort of moving, and they might break away, and then like Dogecoin's just sitting there with a can full of gasoline and matches. Like who wants to party? Yeah, I think the people who are Still trying to mess over with the, uh, the 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 system, if you will, are are, are really into Doge, which kind of makes, sure. makes me exciting about that. Oh, um, support them wholly. I'm just not buying in. Yeah, and like I said, I, you know, who knows where it's going to go from here? But clearly, there was an opportunity to uh, uh, buy the dip, add to your positions, and uh, uh, you would have done well. So, um, obviously, we'll keep track of all this stuff here. Uh, um, but right back to fifty three thousand after that, uh, and and you know. I do think these dips are going to be shorter and less deep as uh, more and more institutional money adds adds to their positions, and I think yeah. this is a little bit of an example of that. Um, I can't, I, I, you know, I had had a conversation with somebody. I can't really see it getting much below forty thousand Bitcoin. That is, any I, there was so much money came in at around forty thousand that I feel like that's a a working floor at this point. So we'll see. Um, well, the only thing they could do it is regulation or outright banning and making it illegal as a form of currency which i i don't know that you can do honestly of if if you're willing to give me bitcoin and i'm willing to accept bitcoin in exchange for something i don't i don't see how anybody else can step well, they can in. regulate it through when, when you when you exchange it for fiat right that's going to be right. the, that's going to be their thing so if you can find a, a wallet that doesn't require you to log to your bank and you can make transactions with another person who has a wallet that's not you know tied to their bank you can make transactions all day long there's nothing the government's going to be able to do about it i don't think I, yeah, in the same way that if you decided to give me one chicken for two bunnies, like the, if as long as there's no fiat currency involved, right. we right. have we right. determine the cost of these yeah. items. Right. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. So let's let's go back to the crazy elongated skull thing. Oh hell yeah! So uh, are, you, are you familiar with Brian Forrester at all? I am actually. So he does a lot. Of, he lives in Peru now, I think. I believe. Good for him. Um, trying to uh, do more research there, but yeah, I mean, look at this. All right, so I got a picture of the skull up here. You can see that there's this odd-shaped, what is a metal alloy that is uh, basically, I'm assuming there was some kind of a wound to the head, and this was a uh, patch, if you will, an implant that basically helped this patient survive. This patient is over 2,000 years old, and they knew it survived because the bone growed around the metal alloy to uh, show that the, the person was still alive after the implant. And I'm fascinated with elongated skulls on their own, let alone to have a metal alloy implant uh, in a surgical uh, environment be added to that conversation. You know, these elongated skulls, many of them are uh, manually, you know, done through uh, head head bounding and, and, and flat board. But then they kind of take these babies' heads and, and do crazy stuff to them to make them look like that. But some of these are not like that. They're actually, their capacity is larger. Their suture lines are different. Um, I'm guessing, you know, it would be an easy... Uh, seemingly common sense guess that these people who were doing it manually were trying to emulate these people who were of some status in a previous, you know, generation. And they saw these people as something more than just uh, an average person and wanted to, their, their children to be more like them. So um, even though there are some manually uh, altered skulls, many of them are not. And they're fascinating to me because again, they're, they're, they're thousands of years old and there's, 
there's more than just one. It's not a mutation or some kind of odd anomaly. There's there's dozens of these that have been found. It leads, it lends credibility to the idea that our understanding of our linear history is incorrect. Yeah, that I, and there's a lot of evidence to support this. That look. The best example, in my opinion, is the pyramids in Egypt. If you go to the pyramids and you look at what they were able to actually build, I mean, you're talking about bricks of stone that weighed over a ton each. And the official story is that slaves just did it. Human beings, average size, same as us now, got together, lifted these gigantic things that weighed thousands of pounds all together traversed i think it's like 100 kilometers from where they were formed to where the pyramids are something like that got them down and then put them into a formation that was so precise it lined up with the stars in the sky above them and not one brick was out of place and not like the bricks didn't even sit off by an inch like they all fit perfectly like what you would consider to have been done today by a laser like the only way that we could comprehend it being done with our current technology and i'm i guess i'm having a hard time buying that of like um what yeah i just don't think we know right so like i mean as we as archaeology and anthropology kind of evolve and you find more information like elongated skulls and, and, and stuff of that nature, the timeline has to be rewritten. Um, of course you know, it does. And there's no, there's new players. Like yeah. who are these people with the elongated skulls? Unfortunately, we, from just, this earth? we have to wait for all the uh, current archaeologists to die so that we get the new ones coming in who aren't holding on to this. But I'm going to read a little bit of argument from the, this is the museum of osteology or osteology. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Sure. But these skulls are on display for you in public, Oklahoma city, Oklahoma. So you don't even have to fly to Peru to see these Oklahoma city, Oklahoma. Um, apparently they've got a lot of, they posted this last year, but they got a lot of uh, attention probably from sports clicks and politics talking about Obviously. this. They probably, we probably spurned all their fans to their thing, but trendsetters that we are. Crazy, crazy thought. I don't know. Like I said, this is just something I'm I'm fascinated by ancient civilizations. And um, I thought that the idea of having a freaking metal alloy surgically implanted into your skull and the person surviving was crazy on top of that. Yeah. Like if you're, I guess to your point about the scientists, imagine you have Albert Einstein is one of the smartest human beings that ever existed up to date as far as we know of recent history. So he devotes his entire life to trying to figure out dark matter, black holes, uh, and the Big Bang. If it turns out all of that is incorrect, like our understanding is wrong, and you went to Albert Einstein as the smartest man in the world and said, hey, you're incorrect about this. There is no such thing as dark matter. We're actually in a plasma-based universe, and here's the evidence. Do you think that this man, as smart and open-minded as he was, is going to go, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there's going to be a little bit of him that goes, look, I devoted my life to this, and yeah. there's no way you're wrong. There's no way I would have missed that for that long, and it's no different with these archaeologists in Egypt, in Peru, in uh, southern and cent- South America, Central America, of you're trying to get somebody to acknowledge everything they have learned and studied and devoted their life to for the last 30 to 60 years was wrong. It's yeah. hard. and. I'll I'll give Einstein a little bit of credit because he was engaging with Emmanuel Velikovsky before he died, which is who was a big uh, plasma electric universe, uh, uh, you know, research guy, author, uh, scientist who was doing that stuff, and they had correspondence. So Einstein was open to the idea. Um, I don't think he was fully in support of Velikovsky's um, 
positions, but I think he was at least open to the idea that he may have been wrong. But your point is well taken that most scientists, even the best scientists have made their life works in one way. And to, for somebody to kind of throw a, you know, something into their spokes all at once, they're, they're, they're not going to be really receptive to it. So I agree. Um, and again, so I don't know, you know, we, we talk, we, we had Ben Davidson on here. He talks about the, 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 um, the electric universe and, and some of the, the catastrophism that, that goes along with that. Um, there's a lot of overlap there with the ancient civilizations. So I find it all interesting. And real quickly, I, I mean, we touched on this for a second here, but tonight, 1130 PM pink supermoon. I think it's the only one this year they said. So it's just a, so these supermoons are basically when the moon is a little bit closer to the earth because of its orbit. And here we have a, uh, they call it the pink. It's not going to look pink just for the record. Um, I, think oh, it's, I think it has something to do with some flowers or something they said. Well, then never um, mind. I'm not, but, yeah, but it's going to be larger and brighter than most moons. So I think it's the, one of the two or three brightest uh, moon positions of, of, of the year. So uh, something interesting. I don't know. I, I like to look at the sky and there's something to look at there. So let's, let's talk about one of our favorite subjects, the uh, Epstein, Jelaine Maxwell, uh, uh, terrible human being stories of the world. Um, new, new, oh, new, good. <laughs> yeah, new, new photos emerged. Uh, the sun um, basically has, uh, I think, that, I don't know if it was because of the trial that Ghislaine Maxwell was in. Uh, it kind of s- asserts that in the, in the article, but the sun released uh, at least some never before seen images. Um, let me pull them up for you here so that you can see them for the first time. There he is, the president. This is uh, circa 1993 in the East Room of the White House, I believe it says. Sure. Um, you can see uh, Ghislaine Maxwell uh, just off the shoulder here of Jeffrey Epstein and uh, shaking the hands of uh, then-President Bill Clinton. Um, I'll cycle through a couple of more of these pictures here. You can see uh, very uh, cozy, very well, young, very spiffy looking. I'm shocked. Yeah, I mean, this is, the, you know, the president basically says that he had no idea that any of this stuff was going on, but... Um, he'd been to the island a few times and, uh, I think Epstein was at the white house three times as far as white house records go that we have on, on, on file. So who knows if he was there longer, but you know, just there's more to the idea that this dude had weasels, his weasel, uh, his way into the white house. Like maybe the most powerful building on the planet. Second most behind the Pentagon. Yeah. And the federal reserve too, I guess. I, you know, that's fair. Third. So, um, the uh, it's it just goes to show that this dude had figured out his way to to talk to the most powerful people in the world, and we're still trying to find out to what end, right? So this is uh, yeah, us and nobody else. <laughs> like, like it's not a huge like crowd of people that are still looking yeah, at this, right? I mean, there's there's a handful of places out there, and like I said, that that the mainstream news, you're right, is not not really talking about this. Nor nor do I expect them, nor that they will. So, um. Maybe if they get a couple pictures of him and George W. Bush, people will oh, start right, to Oh, right, yeah, no, right. They got to pick and choose. So, all right, so let's let's talk a little bit about um, what happened just at the end of the last show. We had the uh, the Derek Chauvin uh, verdict. Um, you guys are well aware um, the video surfaced of him kneeling on George Floyd. Uh, George Floyd uh, eventually died. Uh, they had the trial. That was Clearly, there was... Uh, countrywide and maybe worldwide riots actually protests um and riots after that and we get the verdict the verdict was guilty on all three counts he had a second degree murder third degree murder and second degree manslaughter i think that's right um i think he's 25 years to life i think i saw um on the same day i know do you have any real quick 
like reaction to there. I mean, I, you know, I, I've I've looked into. I you know, I don't think the trial was as tight as it probably should have been, um, which leaves room for appeal, leaves room for some doubt. I think it's going to get appealed. I think it will too. I mean, and I don't know that it'll be successful, but I think there's enough. There's enough stuff to bite into an appeal for. I agree. Uh, so here's my overall takeaway. Uh, it's a touchy thing. Obviously, everybody's very up in arms one way or another on this. And I guess my take is, I think Derek Chauvin is guilty of something. I'm not sure that it meets murder too. And before anybody jumps down my throat, what are the actual things you need to prove to get a murder two conviction? Because if you don't know them, maybe dial down the certainty that that's what he's guilty of. Because there are specific things like uh, intent or wanton disregard that need to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Like, it's a high bar, and it's a high bar for a reason. So I guess I find myself somewhat conflicted of, look, what role did the PCP play? Obviously, we, we're pretty sure that, uh, that George Floyd was on PCP, and if Derek Chauvin had taken the exact same actions and George Floyd had not been on PCP, would he be dead? I don't know. But then the flip side of that is, should a trained police officer be able to tell that this man is obviously on some illicit substance and therefore he has a responsibility to change his tactics to avoid placing this man's life in danger? And if if not, what does that say about the training? And should we be doing something differently about the training and, and the um, expectations of police officers? And, it's, and this is where I sort of go down this rabbit hole of, all right, is this something where Derek Chauvin actually intended or just didn't care that he was killing this man in broad daylight with 150 witnesses? Or is it that our system is so corrupted and bad that he's just made out to be the scapegoat now? And I guess that's where I come down on. I know he's guilty of something. I don't know what. I don't know that 25 years in prison is necessarily the right one if it's not so much on him as more on this would just be accepted and expected anywhere else. And I guess that's my my troubling issue. I don't I don't have a ton of sympathy for the guy. He acted recklessly in my opinion and he, he was irresponsible. But was it the training? Is that what he was taught to do? Did he do anything wrong by the by the police training standards? I know they're gonna say yes, but there's a difference between what's in the book and what's really done in common practice. And then the the other side is to go even further down this rabbit hole, if George Floyd had just been a poor white guy and the exact same thing happened, would Derek Chauvin be going to prison? Just a poor white guy. That's it. Not a rich white dude, not a rich black dude, a poor white man or, or even a female. Like, would we be having this story and would, would Derek Chauvin be going to prison? And I, honestly, I don't think the answer is yes. I think the answer is no. But what does that say about our system overall? And I, I get the other side of that of like, look, this has been happening to black people, to minorities for decades with nobody shining a camera on it, nobody shining a light on it. And now they are. And I don't know what's going to come from this. I don't think anybody's going to learn anything from this. I don't think anything's actually going to change. I think everybody has staked out a position. They know they're right. Even if they don't understand why somebody gets charged with murder one instead of murder two or manslaughter instead of murder or uh, negligent homicide versus murder in the third degree. There's specific legal tenets that have to be established for each one of these. So while I'm, I'm quite certain Derek Chauvin is guilty of something. I, again, not knowing every relevant laws as well as the lawyers and judges do. 
I don't know necessarily that this was the correct verdict on the highest charge. Maybe it is. I'm open to that prospect. I'm not telling you definitively it's not. I'm just not sure. I find myself with more doubt than I do with, with certainty or with answers. And then right as the verdict was being read, like within minutes, news broke of a teen in Ohio who had been shot by an officer in Akron, I think it was. Oh, Columbus. Columbus. Columbus, Ohio. Um, immediately broke. We had all the same kind of, you know, immediately the, the social media and the news started running stories about how a cop, uh, shot a teen. Um, we even had LeBron James, uh, maybe our most well-known, maybe the most well-known athlete in the world at this point, uh, tweet out your next with a photo of the officer with hashtag accountability. Well thought out. Uh, probably not. The, uh, he eventually deleted it, but it was shared and retweeted and quote tweeted, you know, hundreds and thousands of times. So the internet is forever. Forever. Like he's not. Unless he's, you're Jeff right. <laughs> um, So, and it turns out, and I don't know that, you know, LeBron said he, he deleted the tweet because uh, it was being twisted and turned to, to uh, facilitate more hate or something. Um, but it, he tweeted out before the body cam footage came out from the officer, which showed, I think it was nine or 10 seconds or something like that, where from the time he got out of the car, um, the one girl who ch- charged one, uh, uh, there was three girls involved, involved in an altercation. The one who was eventually uh, killed charged one of the girls with a knife the office, she knocks her down. The officer pulls his gun. You can see him doing this. And as the other, the girl turns and starts charging the, uh, the third girl with a knife, basically aimed at her chest neck area. And the officer shoots and kills her. If that girl was charging me with a knife, I would hope that the officer would shoot. And I'm not saying I would want her dead, but I would want somebody to do something. And if somebody was standing there without a, with a gun and did nothing, I would question that. Yeah, so a couple of things. First off, the people that said, why didn't he shoot her in the leg? You've never fired a gun. Shut up. Second off, to the person who said, why didn't he shoot the knife out of her hand? You've never fired a gun. Sit this one out or go do some research on how hard it is to accurately aim a pistol at a knife. And also, if you look at the pictures from the body cam video, the girl's hand was in front of the girl she was about to stab. God forbid he missed the knife somehow. I know. Crazy thought. He shoots the girl about to get stabbed. Like, all right, so let's get those two off the table right now. And the idea is this. Look, you cannot account for the adrenaline that is pumping through your body at that moment. There is no proper way to really get somebody to understand how much adrenaline is pumping through your veins when you show up somewhere out of – you get called in, you don't know who's who, and you see somebody swinging a knife at another human being. And you're the guy in charge of stopping this from happening. So my favorite is like, well, why didn't he yell more? Well, he yelled, get down, get down, get down. Did she get down? Oh, I guess like yelling said, he literally had nine, didn't work. Nine, nine seconds to make these decisions. Right. It was split second decision. Split second decision. Oh, well, there's other ways he could have de-escalated. How? Yeah. And how do you make that decision in nine seconds where you get out and somebody's about to lose their life? So, well, why didn't he use a taser? Well, first off, let's go back to adrenaline. It's not necessarily going to stop somebody whose adrenaline is pumping if you tase them. Also, if he tases her and she falls forward with the knife and the knife ends up in her, like, what did you just do? You just let this person die because you were trying to, like, play every what-if scenario. 
as a police officer, you are taught you respond to lethal force with lethal force. It is that simple. Is it a perfect system? No. And this is a good buddy of mine was, was telling me this, and he brought up the taser thing, and I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. That, that seems far-fetched. And he goes, listen, legitimately, if I was about to get stabbed and the cop pulls the taser out and tases this dude, even if it worked, I'm looking at the cop like, are you kidding? You were, you were willing to risk my life with it? You have a gun. What are you doing? Like, this is something where, I, I, I'll go back to this again, the unrealistic expectations on police officers, all right? You cannot, and it's so easy for somebody to sit back on their, their cushy little house and be like, well, that was wrong, and he shouldn't have done that because there's all these other ways he could have done it. He could have yelled at her. He could have ran and tackled her. He could have done this. He could have done that. It's nonsense. You have exactly two seconds to make this decision. You show up on the scene. You were called there. You don't know the girl with the knife is the one who called who was originally attacked. You know none of this. You show up on a scene, and a girl is lunging at another girl with a knife. What do you do? And let's just say this. What if you were wrong? What if you were so afraid to draw your firearm that you let that girl get stabbed in the neck? I, oh, you don't think you're in trouble now? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say it was a lose-lose situation. Maybe it is. But he saved, he saved, in my opinion, he saved a woman's life. So at the expense of another, I mean, but... It's an I, imperfect know, it's, world. Yeah, right. Sorry. It's exactly, it's, it's imperfect, but it, was, it is what it is. And like I said, after watching the, the, the body cam, like, I don't know what other actions could have been done. It seems like he... He did everything right. Right. And, he did, and that's the problem is, like, if you ever want to really grasp what it's like, if you want to actually be informed on this subject, here's my advice to you. Go for a ride along and go get an experience of what a cop's life is like, especially in higher crime areas, which tend to be in inner cities, because you're going out. Everybody knows who you are. Everybody knows you're the one with the badge. You have a gun. There are people out there that are doing everything they can to evade you, stay away from you, and, and they don't like you. And some of them, not many, some are prepared to engage with you on a physical level, even to a lethal level. And you've got to decide who. Now, it might only be two people out of a city of 100,000 that are truly ready to go and shoot a cop. But you don't know who those two are. You have no idea. And they know who you are, so you're showing up, and you're trying to keep the peace, and everybody's adrenaline is up. Everybody's tensions are high. Everything is all over the place. It's chaos. It's stress. It's everything. And you now have to make a decision on what am I going to do to stop this. My job is serve and protect and keep the peace. All right? Now, I think there's there's – Plenty of instances of police officers doing a bad job of that. I'm not, I'm not coming out here and telling you oh, the cops are perfect and everything's great. I'm telling you it's a really hard job. And I'm telling you if you've never been in the position of holding a firearm in your hand and deciding whether or not to pull it out and shoot or not, I, can't, I hope you never have that, that feeling, honestly. I, that's, that's the best thing I can tell you is I hope you're never put in the position where you have to do this. Yes, cops sign up for it. Absolutely, they do. The point is it's still a hard job. And it's easy for you to sit back and pontificate about what the cop should have done with the gift of hindsight. And then you find out, okay, well, the girl stabbing was actually the initial victim. How in the world do you expect a police officer to know that when he rolls up on the scene? Yeah, it's impossible for him to know that. Right. Like, you are Monday morning quarterbacking this thing, and you're asking him with incomplete information to make the perfect decision in an imperfect situation, in an imperfect world, in an imperfect system. So I don't know if this is wrong. I hope you never have to call the cops, like truly, because if you think a cop can do better than that, 
you've seen too many John Woo movies. Like, I, I'm sorry, but they're not bending a bullet around somebody. They're not shooting a knife out of anybody's hand. You don't shoot somebody in the leg for a major reason. Number one, your adrenaline is pumping, and you're never as steady when your adrenaline is pumping. So you don't want to aim for something where you miss, you do no good. Once you decide to pull your gun, you are firing that gun. You're not doing it for any other. And once you decide to fire, you're shooting to the largest possible target, which is center mass. Because if you've made the decision to pull the trigger on that gun, you have made the decision that lethal force is warranted. You are not shooting to slow. You are not shooting to aim. You are not firing your double barrel shotgun in the air. Oh, that was the other brilliant one. Why didn't he fire around in the air to scare everybody? What do you think happens to a bullet that goes in the air? Do you think it magically stays up there like it's a mask and the bullet is COVID? No, it comes down. It's happened before. Somebody fired off a gun. It was a Supreme Court case. They fired off a gun in the air, celebrate 4th of July. The bullet came down a couple miles away or a couple hundred yards away or something and hit somebody in the head and killed them. The bullet comes down. You don't just randomly fire things into the air. There are actual projectiles in there, and gravity exists on this planet. God help me. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that was a discussion worth having, especially since we had, you know, two different cases with video evidence kind of showing, you know, and my, my, you know, we had a little discussion here locally here in our County about body cams on, on our sheriffs um, because they do not have them right now. And apparently they will uh, probably next year have them <laughs> uh, right now, but apparently they're, uh, they, he, there has been a, uh, at least a public agreement that uh, in 2022, that that will be part of the budget. So we'll see. Okay. Um, but I, I think they provide a, a benefit to, well, for everybody involved because there is no side, one side or the other, right? You got, you can get your 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 narration, your your anecdotal evidence from the the witnesses, but then you have the video to kind of pull it all together. You get details that people overlooked. <clears throat> it's just a a cleaner way of looking at a situation, and it protects the officer just as much as it protects the people. Um, sure. I had an officer contact me who said basically the same thing. He's like, "We all have them." He's like, "I I, I prefer to have them." He's like, "I want them on my body. They do me benefit." So. Um, Hopefully they'll become more and more uh, uh, prevalent and and kind of mainstream with, with with all law enforcement, and we'll get that extra level of eyes, if you will, um, on a situation that we otherwise wouldn't. Yeah, I think for the most part, whether you think what you want to think about cops, most cops are not like complete pricks and racists that just want to go and murder brown and black people. Like that's not most cops. No. If if you think that, I'm going to tell you you don't know many cops. No. Like, same thing, and it's, and it's more than it's it's really that there's a small handful of bad folks and that's in every right. industry and when you're bad and you're got a monopoly on force that's where we have these Problems. issues um but and yeah they're, they're it's not it's not it's more than just most police are it's almost all police are good it's there's a small handful of people who, who shouldn't be cops who shouldn't be cops and listen I, you know i have a problem with laws more than i have a problem with right. law enforcement so we put these we have these crazy traffic laws, right? Like hanging something from your rearview mirror, right? Like nobody should, there should not be a traffic stop for something hanging from your rearview mirror. You're just putting the cop and the person in a situation that can lead to bad things. It's, it's it's crazy that there's actually a, an interaction with it. If, if it's something so egregious, take a picture of the freaking license plate and send them a ticket, right? Like there's no reason for a traffic stop for some of these stupid things. So I have a more problem with laws and, you know, we hire law enforcement to enforce our laws. So it's hard for me to 
totally come down on, on, on them enforcing laws that we have decided on, but it's the laws that are the, the genesis of, of most of these problems, and especially some of these petty traffic laws. And I do think actually the basis of systemic racism in our society stems from the laws. It's not from the law enforcement for the most part. It's that the cops are hired to do their job. Their job is to go and find and stop and prevent crime, right? So if you have laws that are written that disproportionately impact minority communities, then you're going to get more policing in those areas, which if you want to get into the real nuance of this, this is why it's such a complicated issue was because a lot of those back in the 80s when crack was introduced on the scene, and thank God the CIA didn't have anything to do with that, but it was going into the inner cities, and it was it was kind of racist back then, and there was this attitude amongst legislators and law enforcement of, I'm not getting in there, let them kill each other. And that's horrible. So then it was leaders in the black community that actually were calling for, no, you need to come in here and you need to stop this. We are people. We have rights and you are not doing your job. And they were 100% right. But as politicians tend to do, they overcorrected and they came down with these ridiculous drug laws and crime bills. Thank you, Joe Biden. I was going to say, I'm not pointing any fingers or anything, but uh, the, the guy who wrote it and claimed Ronald Reagan was not putting enough people in prison currently occupies the White House. So now you have these laws that disproportionately target and imprison African-Americans over white people, and the cops are expected to still do this. That's still their job. So is that the cop's fault? Is he, is he supposed to or she's supposed to just not enforce it? Or do they have to go do the job? Now, that doesn't excuse all their bad behavior. And, and let me just say, when I say cops are generally good, I guess I'm not even saying that. They're human beings. They have good days. They have bad days. They have an incredibly stressful job where they're in, interacting Typically with people who don't want to see them. They don't want you. You don't want you never want to have an interaction with a cop. So they're in this system that is so incredibly flawed. And now that leads into the problem of poverty leads to crime and crime leads to poverty and it's a cycle. So you have these areas that are higher poverty. And I think that at the root of this is that there's a very large problem of Poor people tend to have more negative interactions with police officers that tend to have more uh, have force used on them by police officers and have less ability for recourse if and when that happens. And there is a disproportionately high number of black poor people in this country. And that's the central problem that as I see it. And it's not an easy thing to fix. It's, it's just not. And the government gets involved and does more and they get these laws. And that, listen, Kamala Harris literally bragged about how many then she put in prison for marijuana use, and then it went and acknowledged she was using she was using marijuana in college. Like it's the complete hypocrisy that really bothers me about this. Of I don't know what you want the cops to do any longer. I, I really don't. And and to put all the blame on them excuses the real problem, which is the legislators and the laws that we have passed, just so they can feel better about themselves. I, I'm sorry, but the idea that you can't hang something from your rearview mirror is stupid yeah i'm only because you mentioned that we have a comment in chat it's like i sat in camilla's court to observe one day and an 80 year old lady was ticketed for rosary beads hanging from her rearview mirror it's amazing it's crazy that's a threat to the public (laughs) and listen i feel way safer now that she was arrested like what am i doing And I, I don't envy the position cops are in. I don't envy. The, I can't stand. Every time the government gets involved, things somehow get worse. It's it's the most immaculate track record imaginable. But it just is. And I, I don't understand how you look at these situations of like, look, I, I'm not happy that this poor girl died. I'm not happy no. these other girls came to attack her. I'm no, like, there's no winners in this situation. Oh, no, it's awful. But 
I, if you would feel better if this cop in this instance was charged with manslaughter, I don't understand who you are as a human being. I don't understand that you consider that to be the moral high ground or that you somehow have this moral superiority that that would make you happy, that that would be justice. I, that yeah, is to me, it, it, to me, <clears throat> because they happened, you know, the, 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 the Chauvin verdict and this, this Columbus incident happened basically on the, within 10 minutes of it. It gave us an, a way to look at two different situations that unfolded right. and see how they were. They're completely different. Some people were just always going to be on one side, the victim side, and some people are always just going to be on the police side. But there's clearly two different stories being told by the video here. And I'm, I would think two different verdicts, two different results should come from those stories. I agree. And most people just wanted to have their one narrative and stick to it and wanted all these stories to fall in line with that. And it, it was there's nuance in all these. Do this, don't do this. Right. Like, it was the two ends of the spectrum of <clears throat> this is okay and this is not. Like, my biggest problem with the Derek Chauvin thing is, look, I get it. You're, you're going up against somebody that is on drugs and you're in there. George Floyd was a big dude. Sure. Had a criminal past. Like, I, I'm, I get yeah, all he that. He resisted. I mean, there was there's reasons. Else. I get that your adrenaline's pumping and that everything's going and you get the guy on the ground and you're struggling. You got him pinned down and restrained. Nine minutes, a hell of a long time. Yeah. Even if you're not on his neck. That's right, and he that. wasn't moving for all nine minutes either. Right. At some point, you know the dude is out. You could have gotten up. Right. At some point, it was no longer necessary and it was you sort of, I guess this is my opinion. I can't prove any of this. It, it appeared to me like it was you showing your dominance over him to make sure he understood that you were in charge, you're the man, and yeah. you've got this And honestly, ego. I think... The crowd yelling at him basically just made him dig in further, right? He was right. like, screw you guys. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm in, the, I I'm am in charge. The law. Right. right. So. And that's always a dangerous prospect. And I, listen, this is what I mean about a lot of cops end up in this boat. And it's not because they're bad people. It's because it's almost a byproduct of the job. Like, it happens. And it doesn't mean that they're bad people. It doesn't mean his actions were right either. Like, things are so much more complicated than any of us want them to be. That's what I mean. Do I think Derek Chauvin should be in prison? Yes. Do I think murder two is the right call? I don't know. I, like, I haven't followed all the evidence closely enough. I haven't read a coroner's report. I haven't read the legislative text to exactly understand the, the, the specific parameters. But I know intent is involved when you get into murder two. And I guess that's my hang up above all else is how do you establish that a guy intended to murder somebody in handcuffs in broad daylight while being recorded with hundreds of people around and he knew that he was being recorded. Yeah, and, and you probably know better than I because I feel like somebody was trying to explain the murder to charge in Ohio and how it was slightly different than a national murder to charge or maybe a state, a different state. I, I don't know. know. There's something, there was something going on and I didn't quite understand it. You probably would with your, your doctorate and jurist there. Yeah, so, well, listen, there's a reason that you have murder in the first degree, second degree, third degree, some States fourth. I don't know. I don't think too many have fourth, but manslaughter, uh, negligent homicide. Like there's a reason that these right. are different and it has nothing to do with the severity of the case. It has right, nothing to do. Right. It has nothing to do with how heinous or evil you think the person was. It is a, if you can meet these requirements then it meets this and yes murder in the first degree is the most severe because it's premeditated murder meaning you went out with the intention of going to kill somebody at at some span of time you had the intention of killing somebody murder too is much more like in the moment but you still intended to kill them or or acting in a way where you had just complete indifference to whether they would live or die and you were okay with it like that's what i have a hard time figuring out how you can prove under the circumstances that this cop 
with all these people around intended. Now, that doesn't mean I think he's innocent. That doesn't mean I think he shouldn't have to have consequences. That doesn't mean I don't think he should go to prison. I, I think he probably should. I don't know that the laws warrant that, but I think they should if they don't. I don't get it. Like, that's what I'm having a hard time grasping. And everybody cheering this on, if you ask them the question of, like, are you sure they can show intent? Like, absolutely, he was on there for nine minutes. But it's not your view of intent. It's his. It's you have to show he thought about this the same way you did. Or it's so beyond crazy. And this is my point on the training. What if this is an, a normal occurrence where most people just get up and walk away at the end of it? Like, if you resist arrest, the cop kneels on your back for eight minutes and then gets you up once the help arrives. What if that's happened a hundred times and nobody's died? Can we still prove intent? Right. I'm not sure you can. Like that, and that's my point on training of what if this is what you're taught to do? I, yeah, no, I, for sure, right. And like I said, I, you know, I've never been part of that training. So, you know, if, if that's something that needs to be addressed, you know, I, hopefully it does. It is. So. I think that we should start asking cops to do less. Everything is becoming a police matter. They're getting all of this military equipment handed down to them and sold to them from the federal government that's just producing junk they don't need and giving it to it. And so you're seeing this militarization of the police. And yeah, look, I love the idea of let's send a mental health counselor out with cops. Great idea. You want to know what a mental health counselor is going to do for a paranoid schizophrenic who's having a, a psychiatric break from reality? Nothing. That's not, and that's why it's a profound misunderstanding of mental health in our country as well. So I, I don't know what you want a cop to do in this situation when you have a guy who's naked urinating all over the place and holding a knife. You, you want to reason with him and talk him down? Like, come on. Obviously, that's an extreme example, but talk to your average city cop and ask them if they've ever confronted a situation like that. Nine out of ten, the answer is yes. They have con some version of that story they have had happen to them. And you want to know why that job sucks? Because if you do it wrong, you have half the country cheering for you to go to prison. Because you're just trying to do your job. Like, and yes, the bad ones should get weeded out. I, I'm open to, I don't know that qualified immunity is a good idea. I think that's something that we should probably revisit since it wasn't even really a law. It was just some judge that interpreted it. And now here we are. I don't know that it's bad either. I, I, I don't know one way or another. And now let's go back to the government is wonderful like, we have a, a state, or New York City had a um, task force to combat mental health issues, right? It was pretty well funded, too. How'd that go? I don't think it went well at all. Who was put in charge of that commission? Is that Mrs. de Blasio? It was Mrs. de Blasio, the wife of the mayor of New York City. Did she go by Mrs. de Blasio? I don't think so. I she had a different so name. I don't remember it, but it was there. I, we probably should know her name since her agency, well, let's go with more recently, doubled the salary benefit packages for the staff from $1 million to $2 million. I think it's like seven or eight people on the staff. Not hmm. a bad paying job. No. Uh, hiring. I, I mean, I'm on. masks. Number two, I think a little more consequentially, was in March of 2019, it was reported that Ms. What, Mrs. de Blasio, the mayor's wife, her agency cannot account for some money that was claimed to have been spent by them. It's just under a billion dollars. Only $850 million that went un- accounted for unaccounted 850 million dollars how many articles are written on that because i found three in the yeah. last two years yeah and they were all older no, nobody's followed up on any of it right you want to know how like pervasive the rot in our system is that's not even news yeah. new york city the mayor's wife cannot account for 850 million dollars of taxpayer money and then in response to not being able to account for it, doubles the salaries for all of her staff. 
Oh, I'm sure that she had a huge vetting process with all oh, the yeah. best and the brightest, and I'm sure there's no friends or associates or people that helped her husband's political career on that committee collecting those paychecks. I'm sure it is the best and the brightest, and they just have to pay for the top talent, Sean. Yeah. And who? what's $850 million between friends? Yeah. If 1% of that went into her pockets, $8.5 million. This is nuts that, that we don't talk about that. All right. Well, let's, Sorry. That let's, was no, that's fine. That's all right. Let's 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 stay on New York here. So, Yeah, I meant to do that as a segue. Yeah, c- c- cases falling, you know, dropping, plummeting, whatever word you want to use here in New York, uh, coinciding a little bit with the lack of demand for vaccines also plummeting here. Um, they're not, I don't think they're necessarily related. I think that the uh, uh, plummeting cases started a month and a half, six weeks-ish about before the cases dropped, so or before the vaccine demand dropped. In New York, we went from, we dropped from last week, I think we dropped like 17% in case numbers, and in the country, it was like 4%. So it's it seems because be, we're wearing masks. We finally figured out how to put the masks on, right? I think, it just, no, obviously the science would tell you that masks just take 14 months to become effective. That's it. They, obviously, it's the they've, masks. They've, they've, you've worn them so long, they've stuck to your face. Exactly. And now everybody finally understands the nuance of putting a covering over their mouth and nose. And that was what drove all the spread for the last 13 months, because it was not enough people were wearing masks. The 95% compliance rate was insufficient. Yeah. But no. now it's okay. 95.5. I guess. I don't know. This is why I, I can't it, stand having discussions with people about I, this, this because is, it's insane. It's, it's so crazy. Like I said, the data is so all over the place. And for our governor, for example, to be using these 50%, 33%, 75% numbers, is it's all theater, right? We've been talking about this for freaking months. But it's, it's arbitrary. It's, just, it's completely made up. And again, it's, it's we're, 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 we're living our lives on the whims of these politicians. And I think most people are basically fed up at this point I'm i mean i've been up. fed up for a while yeah, but i mean i think I, even though i'm with you the common folk who have kind of like <clears throat> been more patient and um trying to be the, the the polite person in public are also giving up on this whole thing so um it's listen you're gonna get some new guidance about outdoor activities and we'll get into this later yeah. you're gonna get more u- updates on all this stuff and i love the claim of well you know science changes and the data's coming in and they're adjusting to it no they're not the data has been the same for decades on masks. This is not new information. There's nothing that's brand new about this. I think I covered, touched on this last week. Literally Australia, the government of Australia for SARS-CoV-1 threatened to prosecute any company that claimed that masks would stop the transmission. They threatened to prosecute them, and here we are 14 years later, and I get it, I get it, SARS-CoV-2 is different than SARS-CoV-1, but they're kind of similar. Don't tell anybody, but they're kind of similar. And it's all of a sudden we think that masks are going to work. Okay, fine. I'm up for, I guess this is different. The scientists are smarter than me. Let's go. I I guess we're wearing masks. That seems dumb. And then I start seeing the studies that they're using to support this. And I'm going, that's not science. That's, that's not how science works. What do you mean? You just covered up a mannequin's face and then shot spray. What happens after time? What happens in uncontrolled environments? What happens comparatively? No, no, no. We don't have time for that. We're in a hurry. All right, cool. I guess we're wearing masks outside. That seems dumb. Isn't UV light shown to be really good against COVID? Shouldn't? Almost instantly killed. Right. It, immediately. Okay, fine. Fine. I, I guess just in stores. But if I'm six feet away, do I still need to wear a mask? No. A month later. Yes. Oh, all right. Cool. The data changed. Yeah, the cases went up. So now we have a year where whether 
an area put masks on, took masks off, lifted mandates, had Neanderthal thinking, or followed the hashtag science. Everybody saw the same curve. Every every area saw the curve. New York has worse results than Florida. Florida has an older population, but they got more vitamin D. And I'm having a hard time contemplating how anybody could objectively look at the results from around the country and go, yeah, masks work. There's there's no no way. I, I, I don't get it either. Like, I don't know how you can tell them that they don't work. And they're like, yeah, they work. And they tell you all the science. But I'm like, okay, well, point to one place where they've actually worked in real right. life. And there is zero, zero. They can't point to a single place and be like, oh, right here, right here. This is the spot. They they did it right. Cases went down. Deaths went down. Hospitals went down. It worked. There's zero, zero evidence of them working. Even if there was one place, it would be one out of the entire world. Yeah. We all and, tried. And we would all know stuff. about it. Right. Oh, my God, would we ever know about it? We would all know about it. Japan's dealing with a big influx again right now of COVID. Like, look, I'm sorry to to be the one to break this to you. At some point, you can't stop an airborne virus. Now, maybe we'll get lucky and COVID will follow the exact same path as nearly every other version of coronavirus, that every other coronavirus variant that we've had over the last 20 years. And it'll come on really hard, really heavy. It'll last about 18 to 24 months, and it'll mutate, and gradually it'll mutate itself out of existence, and it typically takes 18 to 24 months. That does not mean it necessarily will happen like that this time. But how did SARS-CoV-1 end? Anybody know? Anybody remember? Did we get a vaccine? Did people die from SARS-CoV-1? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How did it go away again? Right, it dissipated like every other coronavirus has, or at least the vast majority of them. I shouldn't say every other. I don't know that for sure. But we're playing, we're not, we're not following science. We're, we're changing science to suit the narrative. And it's awful that how many people just fall in lockstep with this without a second thought to go, wait, my mask protects you? All right, well, now I'm getting guilted into this, but in reality, it does nothing. It does nothing. I, the, I, the best analogy I can still come up with is it's like using a chain link fence to stop sand. Yeah. Yes, it will knock some down. I am not arguing that point, but it doesn't stay in there forever, and the next gust of wind is probably going to blow the sand right through the fence. But, yeah, it gives you some initial protection up front. So maybe if you want to wear a mask when you are forced indoors for a very limited period of time with somebody and you have mild symptoms, sure, then it might actually have some good. Me walking around with no symptoms and outside while my son is playing baseball this is the dumbest thing in the world. This is the antithesis of science. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I look in my head, I'm, I'm beating myself up for having these uh, topics uh, uh, flip-flopped here because I don't really want to talk about Cuomo and the blackout of the media and Attorney James anymore. I want to go right into the outdoor mask thing now that we've been talking about cool. this mask thing. So Calling um, an audible. Calling an audible. Your boy, Dr. Fauci. My uh, huge fan. Tony. Huge. Tony. Tony. My dude, Tony. Um, has come out. Let me uh, get a quote here so I don't miss. Uh, I don't want to uh, attribute something to Dr. Fauci that is uh, uh, incorrect here. Um, so this is one quote. As I, I believe this country is going to be hearing soon. Update guidance from the CDC. So, um, and he says the data backs it up. So basically this is data saying that Mask wearing outside provides no benefit. There's no, there's, there's nothing. The, the, as you point out, the UV, the sunlight, and the wind alone are enough uh, combatants for the virus. Of course. And they always have been. Um, uh, you know, he says evidence, uh, outdoor risk is really, really quite low. Um, this is all on his uh, Sunday morning uh, news uh, rounds that he makes here pretty much every Sunday. So 
I would expect some new news this week. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, following up on Dr. Fauci, also Dr. Scott Gottlieb um, also told CNBC that he also thinks that uh, mask wearing outside is, is probably not beneficial. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I think we've all known this. This has all been safety theater from the get-go. But this mask outside thing has been basically one of the craziest, if not the craziest part of the whole thing. Mask on kids has been the craziest thing. Yeah, you're right. All the way along. Uh, mask outside. What about mask on kids outside? I, 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 have no, I have no words to describe I mean, the utter u- uselessness of this. Like, guys, this is crazy. Like, there is no science backing this up whatsoever with that has any merit. And yet we just go with it. I, I'm, and people will, like, shame you and guilt you like these little wannabe authoritarians of, like, uh, I'm a better person than you because I have two masks on. Where's yours? Like, well, I'm outside. I'm 20. It's like you have mine on. Yeah, thanks, I guess. I don't know. Like, and, and the same with vaccines of, like, why aren't you getting vaccinated? Well, for all the reasons I'll lay out for you if you really want to know. If you're just trying to shame me, yeah, bad news for you. I'm the wrong guy. It's not going to work because I'm not ignorant on this subject. I, I've done a fair amount of research, and I've come to the conclusion that I'm not going to take it. And in, all, and, and in all reality, if they were, if they cared about safety, they'd be encouraging us to go outside without masks. Like, that's what they'd be like, hey, go outside. It's warmer. Yeah, it's almost impossible to, to catch it out there. Like, do stuff outside. But because they've painted it out to be you know, fear porn and outside you can still catch it and you need a mask outside and whatever. People are reluctant to actually go to the safest place they could go, which is outside. Remember and they just stay inside and, and <laughs> batten down the hatches. It's, it's, you, it's been a crazy, crazy freaking year. Do you remember that lawyer that dressed up like the grim reaper and went to the beaches in Florida to tell people <laughs> they were going to die? Like how, I hope you feel like an idiot. I hope you, and you don't, that's the no, problem. Right. You don't feel dumb. And that's the problem is that, like, because your intentions were good, we're going to all give you a pass. But it's idiotic. And all right. So the outside mask thing, I, I just I have no grasp of this. And going back to your thing on why didn't they tell us, excuse me, to go outside? Why didn't they tell us to go supplement with vitamin D? Why? I mean, why are we not linking that? Hey, look, obesity, huge factor in this. And it really matters. Vitamin D deficiency, by all accounts, really appears to be a major factor. And here's the upside. If you tell people that, hey, if you want to prevent yourself from getting COVID, you should probably exercise regularly and take vitamin D. What exactly are the potentials for side effects from vitamin D and exercise? Not too many negative consequences to that. So, okay, but we didn't say that. We instead pushed remdesivir on everybody. How'd that go? Now we've got vaccines, which I have been assured are perfectly safe. Until the Johnson & Johnson one got recalled because six people out of six million ended up with blood clots. One quick point on this. I'm not saying that that's not the real reason it got pulled. It very well might be. But if it strikes you as overly cautious and, and over-alarming that the Johnson & Johnson pharmaceutical company pulled a vaccine because of mildly adverse side effects and six out of six million people i I, i'm sorry six people died that more had some other things but because six out of six million people died i'm just gonna say that that would be out of character for pharmaceutical companies in this country or you know or a company that had asbestos in its baby powder for example and didn't say anything for years that now six out of six million died maybe it's legit maybe there's nothing they're covering up or hiding It, it would be out of character let's just the, the evidence in the history would not point to that conclusion if yeah. you're playing the odds. Yeah, and I, and I I don't make a habit of checking out the the Vera's website, but 
you know, I have people who do on a regular basis and they say that uh, a lot of the reporting is, is delayed, um, but it is now filling up. So who knows? Um, Faster than at any point in yeah, history. It's right. filling up. So. And look, some of that's nonsense. Some of that's real. There's, there's no question about that. But I guess my point on that Johnson & Johnson one is they came out and said, okay, we're going to let people have it again because the benefits outweigh the risks. And all these idiots that came out and said, see, told you, like, for the love of God, did you read the sentence? The benefits outweigh the what? The risks. We don't understand all the risks. We don't know all the risks. And that's okay because this is a serious thing and it's a problem. But that's bananas. Like that is sheer craziness and sheer hubris to think there's genuinely no risks or consequences to this. And just for, you know, fun, let's hit on mass and kids real quick. So we got to protect the kids because there's at least a chance. So I asked you to look up the statistics for me on the way in here. Yeah. On what are the odds of a child dying of COVID? And you gave me a number, which I'm going to struggle to even put into mathematical terms. But the number from some site in biology, and we can cite this later for all of you, is 0.022773%. So not just below 1%, but well below 1%. So it got me thinking in terms of, all right, what if we treated other things that had a similar or higher risk of dying the same way we treated COVID? Like, for example, did you know that you have a 1 in 205,000 chance of dying in a plane, plane crash? You have a 1 in 100, so a 1% chance of dying in a car accident. So your child's risk of dying is five times greater in a car accident than of getting COVID. So I guess you should stop letting your kid ride in cars. It's the only reasonable thing if you care about your kid. And mine, because you, you driving puts my child at risk, too, because I'm on the road. I have to drive. So why, why do we do that? I, I don't understand how you can draw this simple correlation and say, well, this time we need to do it because the, the math warrants it. Um, you have a – I'm, I'm, I'm out. I got nothing. Uh, yeah, well, listen, I mean – Oh, the, this is the point I want to make. Yeah, Let me finish ahead. this up. So even for adults, in reality, it's still less than 1% chance of you dying in a car of COVID. If you're under the age of 40 and in any sort of good health and you take vitamin D. I mean, listen, real quick. I was quite cut out. Only less than 5% of people who get COVID ever go to the hospital. Right. But people think like 50% of people are dying from this virus. Like 1% to 5% go to the hospital. Yeah. Let, and it's not everybody that gets it either. Yeah, and, th- and, not, and not all the 1 in 5% die. Like, it's, it's rare. Again, it's a, it's a virus that kills the, the folks who are vulnerable and old. And the fact it has that we've been, been from day uh, one. Right. And the fact that we've been applying these rules to kids playing t-ball or Little League is utterly ridiculous and harmful. So here's how I'm going like, to tie together that point on comparative risk. So we made all these decisions that we knew or should have known would lead to negative consequences. When you separate people from each other, when you isolate people from one another, you restrict their businesses, you increase unemployment, you get an increase in mental health issues and in drugs uh, of people relapsing. So to combat this virus for younger people that have a less than 1% chance of dying, uh, your t- your odds of dying of suicide are one out of 88. It's such a greater risk if you're looking at comparatively what are the odds of dying or how many people die from. One out of 88 is suicide. One out of 96 is an overdose. Like, we can't pretend like this stuff doesn't exist. And I know I'm, I'm not applying that odds thing exactly accurately, but you get the point. Bear with me. It's not like these risks are nothing. They're far greater threats to people under the age of 40 than COVID ever was. 
They're far greater threats to the general population in our society than COVID is or was. And the problem I have is the science didn't change on that outside of the first month when we really didn't know what we were getting into. Outside of that, the science has not changed on this much. It's been the same. It has been that asymptomatic spread has never been the driver of a viral outbreak before, ever. Why did we abandon all reason and just throw it into the wind like, well, it might be this time, so let's shut everything down. No, it's never been. If it was, it would have been the first time in the history of humanity that that's happened. That's, and we play them for that? And we acted as if we weren't going to drive people to OD and into suicides through public policy? For every 1% increase in unemployment in the United States, 38,000 people die of various causes. It's a, it's a correlation that is there, and it's enough to establish a causation that there is at least the, re, the relation. We, we act as if those people don't matter because all of our politicians have decided that COVID is the only threat to humanity any, anymore and that we should spare no expense and no liberty is too sacred to be stomped upon in the name of defending us from this nameless, faceless killer that's going to wipe out all of us if we're not careful, and a million Americans are going to die. I, yeah, listen, I, I go back to um, when Kevin McKernan said, you know, if we tested like we for the flu like we did for COVID, we'd all be living bunkers, right? So, like, if we all applied the same testing procedure, the classification of deaths, and we, we applied what we did to COVID, we applied it to flu, every year we would be in this situation, which we shouldn't be. I mean, we, we have... the the, the the civilization has survived respiratory illnesses for as long as we've been alive, for as long as we've existed, right? And I, this is not going to be any different. We're going to get through this one. Um, and the, the, the question has been from the beginning for me, why did we do all this so differently this time around when nothing seemed to indicate that we should? And we're 13, 14 months into this thing, and I don't think anybody still has an answer to that. Why? I don't have a why. I think there's multiple reasons that go into it all of varying degrees. I think that uh, social media has absolutely made us all dumber and more partisan. We're, we're in tribes now and everybody's got to say, I think Donald Trump being president at the time was like worst case scenario because whatever he said, half the country was immediately going to say the opposite regardless of anything. Right. And half the country was going to fall in lockstep no matter what he right. said. Um, and I think that the media had a huge role to play in this. I think that we place entirely too much faith uh, blind faith in scientists and doctors because we perceive them as just being smarter than the rest of us. Yeah, well, they can be bought just like politicians can be bought. Yeah, and I guess not only that, they could be wrong. Like, we sure. just, we've established this. of People are wrong all the time, and it doesn't mean they're dumb. It means that we're human and we make mistakes. Like, the food pyramid's a great example, or opioids. We, doctors were prescribing those things for 20 years and not asking a question of, like, hey, why are, why are these kids coming in for more? Like, washing hands i mean like some of the most basic stuff like they used to say smoke light cigarettes when you're pregnant like but what i think about how much stuff they've been wrong about and i'm not saying that like discard everything they're saying but some degree of skepticism some degree of all right uh, same with the mass thing like okay i guess you're saying you're telling me it's different now I, I, okay it's not a huge deal i'm in but then when I do the research and I look at it and go, this doesn't add up. And then we get results from a year and where masks are making absolutely no impact whatsoever. At some point you have to say, he's wrong. She's wrong. They're incorrect. Like, you're not allowed to travel, but Dr. Burks is allowed to have a family get together on Thanksgiving. I, I'm sorry, what? 
That's that's bananas. That you shouldn't do that. If these if these eagle man, and this is why I, I dislike Anthony Fauci, because Anthony Fauci, yes, I understand he doesn't actually say a lot of the stuff that the media twists his words into and it gets expanded, but he never goes back and corrects it and clarifies. He never has come out and said, hey, guys, stop shaming people over masks because they're not having a big impact. They are helpful to a mild degree, but it's nothing that we should be fighting over and doing all this. Or, hey, guys, keep taking vitamin D and we can really put a dent in this thing. Or, hey, let's talk about some of the treatments and some of the early success we're having with treatments on on this none of that came true and we're downplaying all the risks of every vaccine of why are we telling children to get vaccinated i got 15 year old 16 year old kids that work for me now at the ice cream shop that have started the vaccination process i don't say a word it's not my place that's them that's up to them it's not my opinion if they ask me i'll tell them my opinion but i'm not just volunteering telling them what to do it's I'm at a loss for words why these perfectly healthy 15 and 16 year old kids are like clamoring to get the vaccine. I don't like it's such a profound ignorance of the actual information and data that has just been allowed to happen by Anthony Fauci and in some cases drawn up by. And at at the risk of making the show go two hours, the (laughs) did you get to watch the interview with uh, Dr. Gert Vandenbosch? No, that one's up next. So I'm going to, you should watch that. I will. It's really good. Um, so, and you guys can watch it too. Right? Well, you can find it on my Facebook page. It's been censored. Um, but you can find it on YouTube. It's still there. Uh, so this is Dr. Geert Vandenbosch. The dude is like vaccine king. If you look at his resume, he is everywhere. He lo- like the, he is the king of, va- like he knows everything about vaccines. He's part of, he was worked for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, right? Side so, note. Best job title ever. King of vaccines. (laughs) That's my to be now. So this guy during this interview basically points out, he's like, I don't think that in the, and this is why I bring this up because you're talking about 15 year olds getting vaccinated, that those antibodies that are produced naturally when exposed to the virus have broad spectrum antibodies. So they protect against all coronaviruses the antibodies that are given during the vaccine are specifically for SARS-CoV-2 variant one, right? They, the, the first one they pick, they may work on some of the variants, but they're not programmed to. The, the, the vaccine is programmed to target what they target, whereas your natural antibodies target all coronaviruses, all the variants, and you would have protection against all of them. We are in this doctor, Dr. Again, Garrett Vanderbosch, says that if you take the vaccine, your antibodies, your natural antibodies, are now basically neutered, using your word from last week, or um, put on, they're a secondary thing. They're, they're basically immobile. They don't, they don't work anymore. The new antibodies are more robust in your system, and the, the, the specific uh, antibodies that are given during the vaccine basically box out your natural immunity, and the virus can get right through because your natural immunity is now basically um, <clears throat> weakened by this introduction of these new antibodies, and you're more susceptible to the virus. And if this is the case, nobody should be getting the fucking vaccine if you're under the age of like 50. Like it doesn't make any sense if that's right. So I would tell everybody to watch that video. Again, I, I, I don't want to break it all down because this show is going to be two hours long. We can, we'll talk about it next week. I'll, I'll bring up yep. the video. I'll show you know, this doctor and what, and you guys can kind of break it all down. But, you know, we're, we're just to kind of wrap all this up. It, it's all crazy, right? Like, you know, we, we've been told to follow the science and f- from day one and the science has 
you know, I, I don't think the people who have been telling us to follow the science have actually been following the science. They've just been following narratives. And, you know, we're 14 months into this thing or whatever it is. I, I think people have just basically at, at wit's end at this point and are waiting waiting for the, the, the rest of the world to, or at least the people who have been uh, dictating to us how we're supposed to live our lives for the last year and a half, um, kind of wake up as well and figure out that, that we're doing this wrong. And I don't, I, I don't know that it's going to happen, but... You know, I, I see as early as tomorrow, we might get some new outdoor mask guidance. So that could be a step in the right direction. Yeah, like to put it succinctly, instead of using the science to formulate conclusions, they're using the conclusions to formulate the science. They're phrasing the questions in a way that leads to the conclusion. That's my issue with all of this right now. And they are actively covering up anybody that brings out any sort of dissenting opinion. I mean, you've had people getting... Uh, censored i guess is as good a word as any by big tech companies by media unable to get any of the airtime that like the real pro covid conscious people are but like shutting down the idea and claiming it was a conspiracy theory well, did that- you see did you see my post I, I had somebody i made a comment to somebody on facebook where i could name a thousand thousands of doctors who would disagree with the lockdowns <clears throat> and i was told no you can't and all i did was take a screenshot of the list of the great barrington declaration which has 50,000 scientists on it and a link to the, the page. That's all I did. There was no commentary. There was no nothing. It was a number and a link to the number. Banned. Facebook says, goes against our community standards. I'm like, amazing. like, what are we doing here? So Right. And listen, even somebody like this guy, you want to dismiss him because he disagrees with your opinion. And and it's not even like an anti-vaccine guy. It's just, And that's, I guess, I always feel the need to clarify this for people. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Like, my kids are vaccinated. If you think I'm going to let them have this vaccine, you're out of your mind because there's not enough benefit to justify the risk. And I hate the social pressure that's put on people. Like, I have to somehow justify my medical decisions to you? Leave me alone. No, because I've done enough research, and if you want to have an actual discussion and you want to know my opinion, I'm happy to do it. If you want to try to, like, one-up me and, and have a debate and show me what a bad person I am because I'm not going to be vaccinated, cool. Forgive me if I don't want to engage with you. I, like, I have no desire to. Good for you. You got vaccinated. I'm happy for you. I'm not. And if you want to compare who knows more about this, I'm happy to do that. I'm not telling you I know more than everybody. I don't. But I know enough, and I, I'm well-educated, I'm well-informed on this particular subject, and I feel confident that, yeah, I'm happy to talk to you. And if you can explain to me why we push this vaccine so hard with no discussion and no reiteration of go take more vitamin D, go get outside, go get sunlight, uh, there's absolutely no scientific reason to be vaccinating children. There's no reason to vaccinate the people that have already had it and have antibodies. There's really good reason to believe that at least half the 20 to 50 percent of the population has pre-existing immunity. So you should get that test done before you get vaccinated. Yeah. All of that. I mean, how crazy of an idea would it be to think that some people getting paid by pharmaceutical companies came up with a vaccine that specifically targets one strand of a virus that is very easily spread and can be very deadly for the oldest of the population and the frailest. And now they know that that's going to happen. So now they'll be able to sell you an updated variant of that vaccine every time one of these comes out. But they'll just make it available. They're not going to force you to do it next time. You don't think they'll make pretty good money on that? Yeah, and and again, at risk of making the show uh, two hours long, uh, Dr. Geert Vandenbosch basically says, uh, piggybacking on the the introduction of the vaccine um, that the vaccine is more of a prophylactic vaccine at this point. It's not basically stopping infection um, and that introducing a mass vaccination in the middle of a pandemic will invariably 
spur on new variants, right? So like the, the, while your body, <clears throat> while the virus is existent, you're throwing these, this antibodies in there and the, the, the virus is being introduced to these antibodies and basically figuring out a way around them. And in a lot of ways, he was basically saying this mass vaccination process may have, you know, pushed new variants sooner than they otherwise would have been here. And that if we just would allow everybody to kind of, especially the young people, get it, get over with it, that we would have been through this already. So I posted that video in chat. And again, I'll, we'll talk about this more in detail tomorrow. I'll make sure Ben yeah, watches I watch it. the video. Um, and you guys can check it out in chat. Like I said, Dr. Geert Vandenbosch. Um, we'll kind of break down a little bit of that next week. Um, anything else you want to talk about here, Mr. Hughesong, before we let the folks go? Now we've taken enough of their time. Just yeah. make sure to like, follow, share, please. Yes, please do all that. Um, and subscribe to the uh, channel there. That helps us a lot, uh, especially when you like and share these videos. It kind of gets, moves, gets our uh, channel into the uh, YouTube algorithm and helps uh, bumps up our rate here. So on that note, I want to thank everybody for joining us again. Uh, we will be back again next Monday, which I believe is the May May 1st. 3rd? May 3rd? I think it's the 3rd. Okay, May 3rd it is. Yeah, I think you're right, May 3rd. So we'll see you all then. Um, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you all next week.